Good morning, sports fans. I'm Liam Flanagan, and this is The Scorecard, your fast, fun hit of sport for Thursday, the 18th of February. Okay, let's rip into some sport. Ash Barty was on her way into the Australian Open semi-finals. Well, a wonderful chip return, keeping the ball low, setting up the opportunity for the forehand, an early break to the world number one. She'd cruised through the first set, 6-1 against Carolina Mohova, and was 2-1 up in the second when Mohova called for the trainer. And I'm not sure if this is an injury, Casey. It looks like she's just not feeling, it's not feeling great out here. So Mohova left the court for a 10-minute medical timeout, and Ash waited. And presumably her mind drifted into who she might face in the semi-final. But when Muhova returned, everything changed. It's a big, big turnaround on Rod Laver as Muhova takes the second set and she wins it by six games to three. And before Ash could sing Happy Little Vegemite... Buddy is out! And Ash Barty's tournament was over. So Jim Courier was forced to ask Mohova the question we all wanted the answer to. What was happening in the first set, in the first couple games of the second set, when Ash was on top of you on the scoreboard? Yeah, you know, I started to be feeling a bit lost. And uh, by the end of the first set, Ash started very good. She played she played uh, almost like no mistakes. It was very tough. And I was a bit lost on the court and my head was spinning. So I took a break and it helped me. I try to get back pl- played a bit faster rally so we don't play that uh, that long once it's in the first set and, and um, it worked well. No shit, it worked well. In that medical timeout, we know that in the tournament prior to this, you actually weren't able to play a match. You had to default, I believe, an abdominal injury. Was that what you were treated on off the court? No, no, it was more uh, they just checked my pressure and uh, because I was... As I said, a bit lost, you know. Okay. Uh, I was spinning, so so uh, they cooled me down a bit with ice, and, and it helped me. Yeah, so Ash Barty is out of the Australian Open because you got a bit hot. Well, I can't wait to hear how Ash responds to this. Uh, it's within the rules. Uh, she's, she's within her rights to, to take that time, and uh, if she wasn't within the rules, the, the physios and the doctors would have said so. So I think that's, you know, that's, that's the laws of our game is that we have those medical timeouts for, for cases that are needed. I've played a lot of matches where there have been medical timeouts. I've taken medical timeouts myself before, so that, that shouldn't be a massive turning point in the match. Uh, I was disappointed today that I let that become a turning point. Classy stuff, Ash. Classy as always. Muhova will face American Jennifer Brady in the semi-final. She defeated compatriot Jessica Pagula yesterday. Meanwhile, Russian Daniel Medvedev brushed aside countryman Andrei Rublev and has set up a semi-final clash with Greek god Stefanos Tsitsipas, who defeated Rafael Nadal in a five-set epic last night. Trailing two sets to love, Tsitsipas fought back to take the final set 7-5 in a touch over four hours as he chases his first ever Grand Slam victory. The man with the Colgate smile, Daniel Ricciardo, has hopped into his new F1 McLaren car for the first time, but... There's a problem. Is this my seat? Yep. I can't get in it. Just like Shakira, Dan Ricardo's. That was the reality the first time Ricardo tried to sit in his new team's car last week. But yesterday, after the seat issue had been resolved, Ricardo finally got to drive the thing. So he must be feeling better. Yeah, reflections after first day in the car is. Feels longer than two months, actually, so <laughs> always uh, takes a little bit to get the cobwebs out, but uh, I think as well in these conditions, it's greasy. They don't uh, fill you with a lot of confidence after a, it's been a while since uh, being in a car, but uh, but no, it's, it's nice. You know, everything's ran really smooth. We completed what we had to, so really that's all you can ask for. Hmm. 
not exactly radiating confidence. And the F1 season gets underway in Bahrain at the end of next month. It's lights out and away we go! But given Ricardo's previous best result at the circuit is fourth, surely he's gunning for a podium to start the year. Really the, the plan is and the, the target is to get to Bahrain Sunday afternoon, be on the grid and for, for there to be no inch of panic um, it's really just about feeling comfortable and familiar with, with all the crew. Okay, Dan is giving me nothing on the vibe front at the moment. Can we update his playlist, please? The domino effect of Roger Tuovasa-Shek's defection from Rugby League to Rugby Union next year is about to kick in. Gordon gets an offload away, but it's intercepted. Eisenhuth finds Jerome Hughes, and Jerome Hughes, he's streaking away, he's going to score a try! With a million dollars in cap space freed up, the Warriors have reportedly offered Melbourne Storm's Jerome Hughes a three-year deal worth over $2 million. Fresh off winning the 2020 Premiership with the Melbourne Storm, Hughes is expected to make a decision before this season starts on March 11. You must choose. Choose wisely. But significantly for the Storm, if Hughes chooses to leave, there is an abundance of playmaking talent off contract at the end of this season, including Sean Johnson, Adam Reynolds, Mitchell Moses and Mitchell Pearce. A quick warning ahead of this next story. It involves discussions of suicide and emotional distress. The AFL community was rocked in January this year by the diagnosis that former Richmond player Shane Tuck, who passed away in July last year, had the degenerative brain disease CTE. And yesterday, his father, the legendary Michael Tuck, seven-time premiership player with the Hawks, spoke about the battles his son was experiencing before his death. We knew he had something wrong with him near the end because he was getting worse and worse. He's a type of footballer that dived in all the time and he's probably... He hit people's legs and he got whacked a few times and he wasn't bashful. The medication would not work at all and we took him to certain different places to get treatment and any medication wouldn't work and, and so we knew what was going on basically. Well, we didn't know what was going on so we wanted to find out and we found out he had probably the worst brain so far. Speaking to the You Can't Be Serious podcast hosted by Sam Newman and Don Scott, Tuck bravely disclosed details of his final interactions with his son. Did he reach out to you uh, through uh, this trauma in his life? Did you understand that it was as bad as it was or did it come as a real shock to you when it happened? No, we were trying to help him, but when you know someone, he knew he was worse than what we knew, yep. but you don't know until you pass away to get tested. That's the problem. Well, I'll be honest with you, the night he did the business, morning or whatever it was, he came and... The night he passed away? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, he came up and hugged me and Faye and myself and said, I love your mum, I love your dad. And I just said to him, don't you do anything stupid. So anyway, we checked him through the night at three o'clock in the morning and everything like that and found him at eight o'clock in the morning. Tuck's interview comes at the same time that the AFL is being pushed to set up a $2 billion compensation fund based around the NFL model in the US for compensating players who suffer damaging and lasting effects of concussion. While the AFL has already adjusted its concussion protocols this season to ensure players miss at least one game after suffering a concussion, the tragedy of Shane Tuck is one that will never be forgotten. Someone in your family passes, you never really get over it. No. And life seems a little bit different, to be honest. Well, well it would, Michael, but yeah. you're, you've, uh, there's only one thing you can do, mate. You can only push on. There's yeah, not well, that's much the thing, you can yeah, do. Yeah. And, um, oh, we miss him and uh, all that type of stuff, but life does go on. Well, my youngest son, Travis, he had a baby boy about three weeks ago, so yes. life moves on. For anyone in emotional distress or in need of crisis support, 
please contact Lifeline at lifeline.org.au or 13 11 14. Remember when you were a kid, you'd saved up all your pocket money and you'd walk down to the local shops to buy yourself some mixed lollies or a frozen Coke? I'd like a bar of chocolate, please. Well, take that feeling, add millions of dollars to it, and instead of your local shops, imagine you've walked into a shop that sells the world's best cricketers. That's what's happening tonight when the Indian Premier League auction takes place. The world's richest T20 tournament kicks off in April, but tonight, the eight teams will spend up trying to secure the best available talent in the cricketing world. And while the likes of Pat Cummins, Marcus Stoinis, Chris Lynn and David Warner have been retained by their teams for the upcoming season, there are 35 other Aussies who are hoping to score a huge payday by being scooped up in tonight's auction. Into the deep, he takes on the man, it's over the top. Well hit from Stephen Smith. Marquee names Steve Smith and Glenn Maxwell are both available in tonight's auction and are likely to attract significant bids, although whether they reach their $2 million plus salaries of last season's tournament remains to be seen. That is a wrap on your fast, fun hit of sport for Thursday the 18th of February. I'm Liam Flanagan. We'll see you tomorrow on The Scorecard. Listener.